0: Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. We are in week two of our series that we are calling signposts. We know that in life signs are important, but we know that just getting to the sign isn't the goal. The goal is to get to the real thing. If you ever drive all the way to the Grand Canyon, you don't go there to take a picture of the welcome to the Grand Canyon sign. You want to see the real thing. And what we're trying to understand is that signs always point to something more, something real. We're basing this whole series off the stories that John tells in his gospel. John was in Jesus's inner circle. Maybe, maybe Jesus's best friend. Now he's writing these stories with perspective and it's his perspective that gives us real insight. We love it that we have an eyewitness to a lot of what Jesus did. When we read this book, it's like we're sitting around a campfire with a man who was there. Someone who watched Jesus do some pretty amazing acts and he's telling his stories. He, he tells us that these stories aren't, are more than just stories. He, he doesn't believe that these are random events. John is challenging the idea that we just need to have faith to believe. I know faith is important, but John gives us more than faith. He gives us proof. As an eyewitness, John feels like he can make a good argument to help us understand who Jesus was. He, he wants us to see what he saw. He wants to show us the signs for us to go beyond just having faith. He wants us to have proof for our faith and trying to convince those who don't know him that Jesus is who he says he was. Now, when we When you look in this book, you quickly find that John doesn't want just to tell a story. He has an agenda. He wants the reader to come to the same conclusion as he did about Jesus. So as we look at these signposts that John leaves in his book, he's trying to show us the real thing. He shares his purpose at the end of the book from John chapter 20 verse 30. John writes, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this is where John wants us to end up eventually. As he writes, he's laying down the path where he wants his readers to go, and he hopes the reader gets to where he arrived. Last week, we looked at the first sign where Jesus turned water into wine, yeah pretty fun party trick. But this was more than a trick, more than a story. John says it was the first sign to show that Jesus is who he says he is. This sign, this this sign was showing us that Jesus was challenging the religious leaders of his time, using what was a religious icon for what it was never intended to be used for. Now, last week, we talked that Jesus is saying something, something is better, better, something better is here than your religion. We talked about Jesus changing the way people connected with God, not through outside practices, but inviting Jesus to come into your life with a person. He was coming as a personal God, replacing practices that only cleans you on the outside temporarily. With the idea that, that you take wine inside of you, Jesus was purifying you from the inside out. So let's talk about sign number two. Now, I don't know about you. But I find it hard to fully understand that we serve a God that knows everyone in the world. I find it hard to remember some of your names. But like we talked about last week, we serve a very personal God and he knows you. Now, if we believe that God knows you, I think we should also understand that God has a plan for each and everyone's life. Now, follow me on this train of thought. So if we serve a loving God that sent his son to die for everyone, that knows everyone and has a plan for everyone, we should come to the conclusion that if God is loving, God is going to do what he can to get people to know him. Don't you think? Don't you think that he's going to send them signs along their path that somehow draw people to him? Uh, I guess I believe that there are signs all around that Jesus is drawing people to him. The problem is, people don't notice. Maybe people who follow Jesus need to help others see the signs. This makes me think that maybe there are signs all around everyone trying to draw people to Jesus and they just don't see them yet because people aren't looking. But this is where we're going this week for the second sign. Jesus is showing us that you can't love the world if you're not making a difference in the world. Maybe by helping others see signs. So, let's pick up our story from John, from John, the signposts that point to something more and look at the next story that shows us that Jesus is who he says he is. Today, today we'll be in John chapter four, but maybe before we get there, let's find out where Jesus has been since we last saw him last week. Last week, Jesus Jesus goes from the wedding that we chatted about in Cana to Capernaum. And then Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem for Passover. So they travel to Jerusalem to celebrate how pe- how how God saved his people at the, at their great Passover celebration. Then they head to Samaria where he meets the woman at the well and the people in their region find her interaction with Jesus so compelling they want Jesus to stick around. So Jesus spends some time with the whole village and then makes the round trip back to Cana. Yeah the same Cana where he attended the wedding. So this week, we'll, we'll, pick, up, we'll pick up the stories that John tells. Now, remember, we are not just showing what Jesus did, but as signposts for something more important. The idea that Jesus is the one who, that he claims to be. So let's pick up the story in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 43. John writes, at the end of the two days, John is referring to the two days Jesus was in Samaria. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. John is giving his reader a little more insight at what happened in Jerusalem. This is this is actually the second time that John tells us that Jesus performed miracles in Jerusalem during Passover without telling any more stories of really what he did. Well, Jesus was in Jerusalem. There were thousands of people from around the region visiting for their annual celebration. With 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 all those visitors, it gave Jesus an opportunity to influence. Not just that region, but the people visiting from the other regions. Because when that celebration was over, when that Passover celebration was over, they would, take, they would take the home, their stories of this healer, Jesus, and spread the stories around to people who weren't there. On this trip to Jerusalem for Passover, Jesus was gaining momentum, performing miracles that John doesn't record in this book. But the reader may not know, but but the reader may know about some of them from the stories they told. Bottom line is Jesus was getting a reputation as a healer. John continues his story in verse 46. As he was traveling through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned water into wine. There was a, a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. So after all this traveling, it might be 100 kilometers on foot, Jesus comes back to where he comes from. We know a few things. He, he comes back to Cana and there to meet him was a government official who had a son who was about to die. He had, he had heard somehow that Jesus was a miracle worker. So he tracked Jesus down from Capernaum. Many many think that this guy was one of Herod's court officials. And, and that's interesting to note because Jesus did not have a lot of nice things to say about Herod. You know, at one point, Jesus even called Herod a fox. It's not a compliment. Later on, Herod would even try and kill Jesus. Think think of how you would react. Think of how you would react to someone who works for the political party that you would never, ever vote for. And they came to you for help. It, If he was a government official, he was probably rich and probably not very religious at all. I I, I would assume that the two of them, the two of them would not see eye to eye on a lot of issues. Even though most think that they don't have the same faith, we see him approach Jesus. I I wonder what have given him the confidence that Jesus would even listen to him. Maybe, maybe it's from past signs that he's heard about one of the things that i notice about him is that he was really bold and he's probably really desperate for his son to be healed when i think about this 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 sick son this is heartbreaking loving parents whether they're god-fearing or not will almost do anything for their sick kids but the fact the fact that john records that this official came to cana is interesting john tells us he's from capernaum now i i know john says it's nearby but This is still quite the trip. He traveled over 32 kilometers for a chance to meet with Jesus. Something that would take over eight hours to walk. But if he was rich, like many think, he might've had a horse or a chariot and that might reduce the trip a bit, but I'm sure it's still not easy. But I also think it was important for him to ask Jesus to come. He couldn't leave this task to anyone else. He didn't ask a servant or another family member or a friend. This was so important. He had to do it himself. He felt that his greatest chance of success was him convincing Jesus. There must have been something about Jesus that drew him to go. He heard that Jesus was there and there was nothing that was going to keep him from asking Jesus to come to his child. Having a sick kid is terrible. And parents will go to the extreme to help their children. Yeah. This guy's going to the extreme by forgetting his self respect, forgetting trying to keep his big reputation as a government official. This guy is willing to beg. I know I would have done anything for my kids if I thought they were going to die and I could do something about it. So after this bold request, Jesus asks, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? <laughs> Jesus said this, it, it might sound rude. It's almost like he's saying, do you, who do you think I am? Do you think I'm just a supernatural vending machine where you can put, put a few coins in, push a few buttons, and a miracle pops out? <laughs> think remember that when we read the word you in the New Testament, most of the time, it's a plural you. Jesus wasn't just addressing this man. He's getting after the whole crowd. In essence, many think that the crowd heard this request and Jesus is addressing the whole crowd but who who wouldn't want to see a sign that's what this whole book of john is about i think i think jesus was saying that he was okay with giving people signs but i think it's the wonders that he has a little problem with signs always point to something important wonders leave people thinking that was a good trick This little rebuke is reminding people to go beyond the signs and the meaning behind it. However, this government official took Jesus' response. This statement did not discourage him. This desperate father continues his argument. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. (laughs) Can you hear the desperation? Please come now. This isn't something that can wait. If this was a wealthy government official, he probably had doctors looking into his son's sickness. And, and it seems like if this government official is here, nothing was working at home. He's saying, I, I might have ridden on a horse for three hours. and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sort of just thinking about that. I'm willing to ride another three because nothing is working. So, you need to come to my son to make him better. I'm that desperate. I might have a high position. I'm a government official. You and I don't agree on many things politically, spiritually, but I need you to come now. Time is of the essence. This government official pulls on the heartstrings, calls his son a little boy. Come on, come on, Jesus. You have to have a pretty hard heart not to want to help a little boy. <laughs> no matter what their dad stands for, I'm sure this guy's thinking. He he feels he has to take the risk. Now, Jesus might not come with him, but he has to at least give it his best shot. He doesn't want to live with regret for the rest of his life thinking, what if? This guy's thinking either Jesus will come with him or he won't. But then Jesus surprises him. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. However, Jesus did it. Jesus convinced this guy that he could heal without heal without being there. Jesus was clear, he's not coming with him. But his little boy would live. For the first readers who knew Jewish scripture, they would know that in the Old Testament, long distance healings were rare. But many felt that those who could heal from a long distance had extraordinary power. Jesus is showing them you don't have to you don't have to come to a special place. Jesus's healing power isn't confined to a location. This official went there with one goal to bring the healer home with him to heal his son, but the healer wasn't coming with him. He was only going home with hope—hope hope that this healer can do what he said he could do. Hope that this healer keeps his promises. A hope that the rumors of signs are true, but whatever was going through this guy's head, he walks away. I'm sure he's thinking, this might be the longest three-hour ride he's ever taken. Either Jesus has healed him, or he might have some regret for not giving a more compelling ask. John continues in verse 51, while the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked him when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that was the very time he had told him, your son will live, and he and his entire household believed in Jesus. can only imagine that as this official was going home and sees someone on the road coming their way, what would have been going through his mind? Are they coming with good news or are they coming with bad news to not bother this healer anymore because your son is gone? But it was good news. This sign convinced this desperate father and the entire household to believe in Jesus. So we can take from this. Before this sign, they didn't believe. But after seeing proof they did, again, it wasn't just faith. It was proof that Jesus is who he says he is. John wraps up his second sign. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. John is lining these signs up, proving that Jesus is who he says he is. He's laying down his best arguments, trying to get people to believe what he came to believe. Sandwiched in between the story of the wedding in Cana and this government's this government bold this government officials bold ask is John chapter three It contains the most famous verse in the Bible but this famous verse this verse that's been quoted over and over doesn't come out of the blue it comes from a great question from a seeker who wasn't just looking to make a point but someone who was looking to figure something out someone who had who had seen some of Jesus' sign and was trying to come to a conclusion himself we quote this famous statement that comes out of this interaction. This is what it says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Right here in this story, right here in the story we just talked about, Jesus is living out his words. He's showing in practical terms, God loving the everyone in the world. The people who looked like him and the people who didn't. The people who had the same opinion as him on cer- certain issues and the ones who disagreed on just about everything. People who might vote like him and those who would not. Jesus is showing us that it didn't matter who they were. Jesus was there to be a gift to those that his path ran across. This is what I think the second sign was. Jesus was coming for the whole world, not just those who look like us. He was showing us that you can't love the world if you're not making a difference in the world. Jesus is someone who's open to interact with everyone his that his path crosses with. So how can we do that? I think this is a good reminder for all of us. Jesus shows us that we are to love those who cross our path even though we don't always agree with them. I think I think we do a great job at loving those who are like us, but we're we don't know what it looks like to look for opportunities with those who might not think or act like us. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to, con- to, for, to love those who you come in contact with? Those who might not think like you? Those who might not believe like you? What is love telling you to do this week? Maybe the simple act of loving someone who you come in contact with, who might or might not think like you, Maybe over time that might convince them that Jesus has a plan for them as well. But I I think that for some of us, we just need to see these opportunities. We need to see the people who live next door. You might share a fence with them or even a wall. You might spend time living in close proximity, but you don't know them. You might not even know their names. You, You don't know what their needs are or if they have a sick kid. But God has a plan for them. He is sending them signs, drawing them to him, and maybe you are the one to help them see the signs that Jesus is who he says he is. Maybe it's the person at work, and you think, maybe I need to make more time for people in my life who might not think like me, but are around me. Maybe that's what love is asking you to do. There's your opportunity. There's your opportunity to show them signs in their life life. Jesus took this opportunity that crossed his path to love someone and make a difference in their life, even though it was a someone who didn't think like him. All these opportunities are for us to show others the signs that Jesus is still active. I hope this story helps us see that we live in a world full of people that Jesus loves who might not think or act like us. And it's up to us to help them see the signs as you do live this out in your life live with the hope that jesus will go with you and like this government official he'll be changing lives on your journey let me pray for you father god we are so grateful that you came into the world to love the whole world can i pray for each one of us individually, that we may understand what it looks like to make a difference in our world. Father, I pray that we may see the people who cross our path, the people that we see over and over and over again. Maybe the people that we live, work, study, and play with. The people who may not know you, but are are just looking for the signs that there's something greater than them, something out there, something to bring them hope and a purpose in life. God, I pray that CLCC would be a great church that learns to love you and love others the way that you love them with love and hope and meeting needs where people are at. So, Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10 and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscc.ca. See you later.